Uh, so I'm excited to talk tonight. Today. I'm excited to st- to talk tonight also. Uh, did you know that today, as we're recording this on February 21st, is mm-hmm. the birthday of uh, the late John Lewis? I did, because Dang I'm it. on the website twitter.com. Twitter.com. Um, How do you spell that? Not to brag. I am on it. A lot. <laughs> um, I, I did know that. Also, John Lewis is, I, I run a get out the vote nonprofit. John Lewis is yeah. a pretty big inspiration yeah. to me. I figured probably and you to knew. a lot of people. I'm, I'm not going to. To just like, you, yeah. Just to me. Only yeah. you knew, only you knew who John Lewis was. Yeah. His early albums are incredible. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I figured you probably knew, uh, I, I, however, until we began to prep for this episode, uh, did not realize that I was not paying attention today in the Twitter sphere, uh, apparently very much have been doing other things, I guess. When I, when I was thinking about what we were going to talk about, uh, for this episode, I realized, oh, it's John Lewis's birthday. And I thought that was a very fitting conversation to have for black history month revisited. Uh, yes. and we're doing that because why Kim? My mommy told me I have to. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, I was going to be nice to say we had some listener feedback who said, <laughs> but you want to call your mom out. That's mom. cool. Um, yeah. I mean, let's, I, I, I feel like it'll score me some points to say like I'm doing this because, um, my mom is, is a listener of the show. She, it's so cute. Her and Jim, my stepdad, my dad, they listen to it together and, um, she, I called her after work as I do. And she said, the show was you didn't do a great job <laughs> straight up was like, listen, it wasn't very, you guys didn't do a great job. Yeah. And uh, it was necessary feedback Yeah, because I, I, I think that we had some, some nice moments in that episode, but looking back, I think that we probably were feeling a little punchy and uh, maybe weren't being as focused as we should have been. So I'm excited to, to go back and revisit this. I think it's a great moment for us. I think it's important to call it out and say, look, we should have been a little bit more focused in that episode. That's on us. And, and I mean, on on the serious side of things, I think that that speaks a lot to our white privilege and, and Mm -hmm. to our educational upbringing. Like we, you know, so there's that on the other side of this, the maybe not so serious side. um, That's what show notes should be for. Oops. Yeah, this is yeah, off yeah, yeah. the cuff all the time. So, listeners, that's it, what you get. It, yeah. Um, so yeah. So, so we're gonna we're gonna unpack a little bit of white privilege and how that affected our Black History Month take. So that's gonna be this episode. I think it just comes down to perhaps we shouldn't have ended our Black History Month with a story about Conan. I mean, that could be very true. Uh, big big fan of Conan, but yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. probably yeah yeah. <laughs> Conan, big listener of the show, was probably like, "Ooh, guys, like choose your moments." Right. Um, I think it is almost the epitome of white privilege, though, yeah. right? Yeah. We have this show. We get to say whatever we want. And while we did talk about, I, I think that we brought up some good points. We also kind of oh, yeah. veered off track a little bit. So with that in mind, shall we uh, Shall we get started on our official conversation? Are you ready? To, you, oh, my gosh. Are you, are you introing or am I here? What are we doing? I forgot that we hadn't even done that yet. So uh, my name is Dan, and I'm one of your hosts uh, of My America. Welcome to the show. Uh, Dan Moyle is my name. Uh, I'm a white American, as we talked about white privilege just now. That obviously, that is 
hopefully obvious that I have white privilege. So I'm a, I'm a white cisgender hetero guy. Uh, my pronouns are he and him. I am typically pretty middle of the road, center of rights. I am fully independent at this point, though, as far as a voter goes. Um, and that's part of why I wanted to have these conversations with my co-host, because uh, she is not basically any of that except for the white part. So, Kim, it's all you. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Dan. I'm Kim. I am the other co-host here. I am a white cisgender female living in Los Angeles, heterosexual living in Los Angeles. I am I am the radical liberal left that, that your we parents were warned won. about. <laughs> remember, um, what's her name? I don't really care about her and don't want to remember her name. Um, Kelly Loeffler in Georgia in the debate between Loeffler and Warnock. She kept saying like radical liberal left, radical liberal left, <laughs> like a little robot. Mm-hmm. And that, that's me. Mm-hmm. She was trying to warn you about me, but mm-hmm. here we are. She lost. I win. Um, <laughs> I yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I make up the other half of this podcast. And you know, our one of our goals is to have discussions and debates, but also I think one of our goals is to have conversations about what our America looks like. And I am, you know, again through through, through the lens of white America, Midwest. I'm I'm in Michigan, born and raised. Uh, I, I love my state, but we didn't learn much about Black history and not even realizing that today is John Lewis's birthday, who was a, a, obviously a pioneer in the civil rights movement and equality. Um, you know, I, I have watched some stories about him, some interviews with him, read some stuff about him and my goodness. And then on top of that, you know, throughout Black History Month, I have tried to uh, take in more content from our history that does not is not written by the colonizers, <laughs> right? Like. Like, let's be yeah. fair. I mean, our, our history was writ, written by white America. Um, and maybe someday we can call all of it just history. But until it is truly integrated and taught, because if I say to, you know, white America, um, do you know who George Stinney was? Or uh, maybe we can talk about Prince Hall. People aren't going to know those names. And I and they and they need to. So that's that's one of my goals. So I, I'm. I'm happy that we're going to talk about that. And I think too, if we can, like at some point, you know, the white privilege side of it, how did we get here? How did I recognize the fact that I have white privilege and I'm okay with that and unpack that a little bit for, uh, for our listeners who are white, who say, well, but yeah, privilege, come on. That's not, that's not a thing. Like, no, it, it is. And let's talk about it. So anyway, yeah. that's my pitch to us. Uh, where do you want to start? You Kim? just pitched about 17 different episodes and I'm excited to dive in. <laughs> what can we get in one hour now? Um, <laughs> so where where do you what do you do for Black History Month, Kim? Do you make a concerted effort throughout February to take in as much of that content as you can? Do you promote it? Like, what do you do for Black History Month as a white American? Well, so first of all, Dan, to let you and your schooling off the hook a little <laughs> bit, I have been I was born and raised in San Diego. I've been living in Los Angeles for going on eleven years now. Wow. Goodness. I know. So you um, so you moved there when you were like five then? Is that right? Yeah. Well, you're an adult now. You're wild? you're like 21. So maybe you were 10 when you moved there? I was 16 when I moved here. You are fully into your 30s. Let's be honest. Come on. Own it. How you are amazing. Dare you? you are sir. an amazing queen. <laughs> I um, Thank you. My schooling also. Now, I don't know. You say you weren't taught black history. I don't know 
how much you were and weren't or if you're just being completely honest and saying we really weren't taught anything in my school in the 90s we learned black history month was like here's here's black history and then here are the 60s and then racism was solved right and that was the education we had yep you know and that is i would imagine the education that still happens um we every, the racism is solved and everything is fine and look at this like kind of whitewashed mm-hmm. view of history bloody sunday wasn't it wasn't like bloody sunday was just this really magical walk across a bridge and then and when they got to the end of the bridge everyone held hands and and that was it yep. that was kind of the the story that i learned now as an adult um now i've gone back to school to get my master's in political science and I run a nonprofit that in, that is aimed at increasing voter turnout. You cannot do that. You cannot try and increase voter turnout without learning a a whole lot about Black history, yeah. uh, the ways that we have treated our Black Americans and and all Americans of color and women in America and all of this. Everybody except for the six percent of land owning white males that were able to vote in George Washington's first election. Yep. So as you learn that, those two things are tied together. And still to this day, they are tied together. I think about uh, people like Crystal Mason, who was who voted in Texas thinking while she was on probation because she was told she could. She got out of prison. She was on parole trying to, to just move forward in her life. Mm-hmm. Voted because she was told she could. Bye, by the way. Not just like friends told her she could. A poll worker told her, you can vote if you can't vote. We're going to have you vote vote with a provisional ballot. If you're not allowed to vote, if it turns out that's not the case, I think you can, but if you can't, we'll toss it out. That's the point of a provisional ballot. Just toss it out. She She wasn't allowed to vote. She didn't know. She didn't do it maliciously. And then she got put back in jail. Simply for trying to vote. Yes. Well, simply for trying to vote whilst being black. Yeah, well, yeah. And and I say that because uh, obviously nobody would have, like, n- nobody came out and said, well, we're going to do it because she's black. But she wouldn't be in the position she was in were she white. Yeah. And I mean. And by the way, she was in jail for a nonviolent crime or a nonviolent offense. Yeah. Just want to be really clear about that. Not that that really makes a difference once you're out on parole. Parole is parole. But if if right now you're listening thinking, well, what was she in jail for? It wasn't for it murder. Was it wasn't for assault. It was, it was like tax stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was tax stuff. Which, you know, you break the law, you pay the price. I mean, that like that. Sure. We can agree on that. But then. Absolutely. I, I think that probably there's a larger conversation to be had about the way that we. Yes. Um, incarcerate and all that kind of stuff. But yes, there, there are consequences in theory well in, in theory there are consequences for our actions um yeah anyway yeah i'm not a fan of that former president so that that will be no shock to anybody listening um but anyway so when you went back for your master's kim did you end up having like black history classes or is this just because because of your deep desire to increase voter turnout and to understand our political system it's just that closely tied to our black history 
Yeah, we didn't have black history classes okay. in the program. It was a political science program. We had classes that were like, here's how to manage a campaign. Okay. I'm available for hire. Here's <laughs> your world your, uh, your world political science. Yeah. Um, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. But I went back because Trump was elected. So I had been working on a documentary about um, trying to increase voter turnout. And I thought that perhaps I wanted to start a nonprofit based on it, like halfway through the movie. And then once I wanted to start this nonprofit, once Trump was elected, I knew immediately we were going to see rollback after rollback after rollback of our voting rights and our laws and everything. So I, I went to school. I applied for school like the Tuesday after he was elected. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we didn't have Black History Month or anything in school, yeah. in, in a graduate school either. Um, yeah, I mean, to answer your question about what, what I was talking about, I, we didn't have, I don't, I don't remember my high school teaching really anything to do with Black History. Now, I graduated in 1995. So in the 90s, you know, we didn't, I don't know how prevalent Black History Month was for white America. I know that my high school, I can't tell you that we did anything. I can tell you some of my, my memories of that time, like when um, the beating of Rodney King and the subsequent acquittal of the officers and then the following riots and, and unrest and whatever, like whatever it's supposed to be called. I, you know, um, in my mind back then they were riots, um, like all of that violence and stuff. Like I remember that, but I didn't really understand it, but I know that's part of my journey of the recognition of where we are in America today started that. So I know that, um, but you know, we didn't talk about John Lewis, really. I think I may have heard his name, but I, I couldn't tell you anything about it. When you say bloody Sunday, my only thought is you two Sunday, yeah. bloody Sunday. And I don't even know if that's about America or about Ireland. I couldn't tell you. So I think it's about the troubles in Ireland. Okay. That's what I was thinking. It was about an, an Irish is situation, not about America. So, but that's what I like. That's my only reference to, to, to bloody Sunday. I didn't know. Yeah. When I watched um, Selma, which, you know, is a representation of the events, it's a movie, but it's based on the events. Mm -hmm. So, again, who knows how much of that is, is air quotes, Hollywoodized. Um, it's a it's pretty damn close as somebody who spent a lot of time focused on that specific time in our history yeah. and watched the movie eagerly um, looking at it, you know, what it was going to be. It's pretty close. Okay. That, I, I was hoping yeah, so. Highly recommended. Yeah. It, it was, yeah. it was, it was mind blowing. Like as dumb as that sounds, maybe for a good chunk of our country, it was mind blowing to me to see those events play out. And I was hoping that it was relatively accurate and not Hollywoodized. You know, even the great stories that are told well often can, can sometimes be, can sometimes fall short. Right. Um, yeah. But this one I was hoping was relatively like true to form. And, and it was, it was powerful. My goodness, was it powerful? Mm -hmm. I, John Lewis, the, the, the character on the screen absolutely had my heart the entire time. And then all the people who were walking peacefully and then just beat like the, the entire, anyway, yes, go see, watch Selma. Um, yeah. But like that, you know, that was the first time, honestly, that I really understood what, happened on that bridge that should be now named the john lewis bridge um yeah that's like that's my education right it's very whitewashed 
and I don't think anybody, like, I don't think my teachers are terrible people for this. They're not evil. This wasn't some Confederacy conspiracy, but it's a major failing in our educational system and in our societal system that we don't include more about people like John Lewis or again, uh, Prince Hall that we can touch on here in a minute, but like, that's what we need to do. Right. And so, so there's that. Anyway, that's, that's my, his, my history with black history. Um, first of all, Dan, you can feel however you want about not having known so many of the stories that were portrayed in Selma. Mm -hmm. And, and you may feel like, wow, I can't believe I didn't know. And so many people may think that's absurd that I didn't know. I think it's really important to be honest about what we know and don't know, mm. because if we spend all of February pretending like we knew all of these things and all of these stories, we're going to spend the next 11 months not growing, not learning, not teaching, yeah. not doing any of that. Yeah. So I think that's really important. Um, but if you don't mind, I would talk, I would like to talk a little bit more about the Edmund Pettus bridge and the walk for uh, voting rights. Yeah. There were a lot of things that led up to this moment, just like there were a lot of things that led up to Rosa Parks saying, no, I'm, I'm going to stay in my seat. I'm not going to give up my seat. Um, somebody that I think about often when I think about voting, we when we vote, we do not vote. We don't just like, you know, we walk on down to the polls or we get our ballot out of the mailbox, fill it out and toss it on back in there. We do it on the shoulders of everybody who came before us. That's something that's really important to remember. And somebody who I, I think it's important to acknowledge and who certainly doesn't get necessarily lost in the conversation, but I always want to talk about is Jimmy Lee Jackson. Jimmy Lee Jackson was um, a veteran, a war veteran, a father. He was a deacon in his church. Uh, he was walking he, he was on a, a peaceful march with his parents to protest the jailing of James Orange. James Orange was in jail for trying to register black voters. So they had gone on this peaceful march through town, just trying to go from the jail to the church or the church from the jail. Um, I apologize. One of them is correct. I, I apologize for, for being a little confused on that. Um, on their walk, they uh, encountered police officers who uh, didn't like them marching while being black. So they uh, tried to break up their peaceful march. And um, in, in the ruckus that occurred, um, Jimmy Lee Jackson and his parents ran into a restaurant, I think, and uh, just trying to hide, basically, because they knew that these police were there to be violent against them. So they ran into a restaurant and um, his mom was, so the police followed them in there and his mom was being beaten by the police. Jamelia Jackson stepped in to help his mother from being beaten to death by the police and he was shot. He died seven days later and that became the impetus for the Edmund Pettus Bridge March. The march it took three times to get there safely. And so... Um, I just think, you know, that's a little bit of context about how we got to the bridge and into the march in the first place was Jimmy Lee Jackson. And, and again, like I say, like they, they probably would have ended up marching there anyway. Um, but it was Jimmy's, Jimmy Lee, J 
Jimmy Lee Jackson's death was the thing that really we don't we don't yeah. we don't talk about that. We don't learn that. And I don't yeah. like I don't understand why why white people like get defensive about it. Cause here's the thing. I I'm white. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not like raise my fist, fly a flag proud of it, because that's something altogether different. I but I am I am proud of my my family, my people around me. Like I'm I'm proud of who I am as, as a human being, uh, of you know, whatever. Like but I'm not ashamed of it, I guess is, the, is my thing. But what I am, what I do feel shame about is some of our history that's just not good. And and it's okay. It doesn't make our country this terrible place. It doesn't make every white person a bad person. It doesn't make, you know, every, every officer is terrible. Like that, none of that is right. That, that doesn't, that doesn't mean yeah. that. But what it means is we have to have these conversations and say, okay, look, white America did some really bad things and we need to be able to acknowledge those. You know, we need to be able to uh, to to fix it, because even though that happened to Jimmy Lee Jackson all those years ago, that doesn't mean that it's that it's over. And nobody cares. Like there is still yeah. trauma in that community, whether it's in Selma, Alabama, or whether it's in Detroit, Michigan, or it's in some other. You know, if it's in L.A., if it's in New York City, like Black America is still facing that trauma constantly and until we acknowledge that we we like we, we can't fix it and, yeah. and i don't understand why that puts white people on the defensive i mean i, I mean i understand it like there's a lot there I, I get that it happens i just but my encouragement is stop it stop and listen you know when i started yeah when I, you talked earlier kim about education when i started to educate and read educate myself and read and be interested in this it, it, it's it's an eye-opening experience it doesn't make me feel bad about who i am as i said earlier you know i started reading uh white fragility that was the first one that i read from robin d'angelo i know that she gets some some flack on like the fact that she built everything she did on on the shoulders of people who've been doing this work for a long time um you know and like you know profited as a white person off of black suffering but i think that she really brought up a, a perspective to me as a white person, I never maybe would have realized. And then from there, I've gone and I've read other authors, people of color, their stories. So I credit her with that. That was the first book that I read that opened my eyes to it. Since then, you know, I'm reading Dr. Ibram Kendi. I'm reading, you know, I read Stamp from the beginning. I'm reading, I read Ed Gordon's Conversations in Black. Um, Why do all the black kids sit together in the cafeteria was one that I read. And it just helps me understand that this stuff isn't done. Kim, what you said earlier really hit me like, oh yeah, we had, you know, uh, MLK and we celebrate MLK day. So that means that racism is over. Look, we had a black president. Racism's over. Look, we had like, racism. No, it's, no, it's not. And, yeah. and, and I don't know that like racism itself can ever necessarily be cured. You know, we fear what's different. We, we, we put labels on, on people and on situations and, I don't know that racism itself, I think, I feel like that's, you know, I don't know if this is a faith thing, but like it's an original sin kind of a thing, right? And so I think that's embedded in us. But what we can do is recognize it, root it out, fix the systems that oppress and deal with those things. And that will help us to be a better place. 
And I think all that comes from learning our history that includes our fellow black human beings and brown and indigenous peoples who have built this country that we all get to take advantage of living in this free country. Yeah. Off my soapbox. That's the thing too. <laughs> I just, I get so passionate. Let's be honest. The whole podcast is a soapbox. I mean, it really is, right? I just, I, I get, are free. I get so passionate. And if you don't like it, I'll, we'll give you your money back. I get so passionate and like, I don't know if it's empathy. I don't know what it is, but, and, and, and if, and if people think it sounds trite, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Cause I just get so fired up about this and I want to love my fellow human beings, regardless of ethnicity, race, gender, identity, any of that stuff. Just love each other. Yeah. Anyway. So you said earlier about you were on the, the Twitters. Um, yeah. So I was looking through some, you know, there's, of course, I, I, lo- I love Twitter. I'm on Twitter a lot. Um, there are, of course, hashtags for, you know, mm-hmm. Black History Month and a lot of other stuff. Two of the hashtags that I was looking through, I like for resources. And we and I, I encourage people listening, like, go find these hashtags or ones that give you this information, these resources, and you can follow them. You can add that as a list. You can make it you know, save search, whatever you want to do, but, you know, hashtag BHM for black history month, BHM 2021. Um, I looked that up and I found one that absolutely wrecked me. Have you, have you heard the story of George Stinney? No, I was going to ask you if you could talk about him because I don't know who that is. Yeah. And I would like to, yeah, I'd love to share that. Um, did you have something else before we get into, into that story? Mm-mm. Okay. No. So I was looking through the hashtag uh, BHM 2021. And I saw this video um, where the the uh, the person who shared it, um, my, my Loris number one is the the user account, said, "Not all of our history is pleasant, but it must be learned and discussed. This hurts my heart, but this is too a part of the African American experience." R.I.P. George Stinney. And I watched the the TikTok video. I was like, "Oh wow!" And and like videos. You know, this is a TikTok video. This is not like a verified source, but I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go look up mm-hmm. George Stinney. So George Stinney um, was born in, in 1929. And in 1944, when he was 14 years old, our country uh, executed him by electrocution. Oh, my God. So first of all, like before we even talk about his Mr. Stinney's story, 14-year-old child. Okay. I have two kids, 14 and 15. This young man was 14 years old when our country killed him by electrocution. The state sanctioned his death. Now, he was, again, 14. This happened in 1944. I know people who were born before 1944 who are still alive today. So this happened in our generations. So people really try and pretend like this history happened so long ago. And I think that that a a part of it is like this. We want to make people feel comfortable with history. Right. This stuff did not happen that long ago. No, It happened much closer to you than you think. Yeah. Even thinking about like the civil war and the emancipation of our enslaved peoples. While that happened back in the 1800s, that wasn't that long ago in the history of our world. And there are people alive today who are one generation away removed from being slaves. Like, yeah, that that is not the, anyway. Anyway, it's all different. Okay, so George Stinney Jr. He was um he was executed. He was convicted and later vacated as an unfair trial. 
That was that was in 2014. So even that wasn't that long ago. It took that long. He was accused wow. of murdering two girls, um, two white girls, uh, in South Carolina. Uh, so basically, he, they, and I don't know how all of the story is told, but I will say this: he was. They crossed his path, and asked him a question on how to get somewhere or whatever it was. They never made it home. Their bodies were later found. Uh, they had been murdered. The only connection to George Stinney was that someone knew that he had talked to them, that they had crossed paths with him. That's the only air quotes evidence that was against him. A jury convicted him and they killed him. Wow. I don't understand. I don't understand. And so for, you know, black Americans who know that story or who hear that story and like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't understand it. And the fact that this happened only in 1944 and, and yeah, like it's not yeah. a pleasant story. God, that's awful. Right. Jeez. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Like all around those, the, the parents of the girls, my heart goes up to them. Someone murdered their, their daughters. Yeah. And then this young man, the state executed 14 years old. How can you have death penalty for a 14 year old? Yeah. And I mean, that's a whole nother, like, you know, death penalty is a whole nother discussion to be had. Should we have it or not? Whatever. But yeah, it, I just, Stinney's court appointed counsel was a tax commissioner campaigning for election to local office. If he's campaigning for election, do you really think that white guy in that white town wants to help a black child get out of those accusations? Like the, the entire thing is just. No, I, I mean, heaven forbid we should do the right thing. Right. More than a thousand white people crowded into the courtroom, but no black people were allowed. God. You know, it was an all white jury. In 1944, most African most African Americans in the South were prohibited from voting therefore ineligible to serve on juries 1944 folks and just because the voting rights in 1964 happened doesn't mean that the like the, it's fixed some of that got rolled yeah. back anyway mm -hmm. so yeah so that kind of history again white america just doesn't know so the we'll share in the show notes the the twitter links for those hashtags bhm yeah. 2021 and bhm i think it's important to go look through those things and and again as we're Recording this and this gets released, it is the end of Black History Month, but don't let February be the only time you search our history for the contributions and the stories. Let's humanize our Black Americans. Yeah, um, especially when you consider that we are a nation that was built through the slave, but through the labor of our Black Americans. Mm -hmm. like we would be nowhere. Um, <laughs> I, that's why I think too it's so important when people take photos like John Lewis on the Edmund Pettus Bridge and colorize them so you can see them because all those photos were taken in black and white that's just the technology that existed then is we didn't have color film we only had black and white film we yeah. didn't have digital cameras or anything right. but when you see a photo in black and white it feels much older our, our brains just have a harder time with it. Yeah. We have a harder time placing a black and white photo into history um, or into context. So looking at a photo that's been colorized so you can see that it was taken much closer to where we are now than you think. This history, Anne Frank and Martin Luther King Jr. born in the same year. That's, in, that's an important piece of context. Mm -hmm. We can't just act like this happened, you know, a thousand years ago 
because it, it, we, then we start to kind of like, that was that long ago. That was, that was so long ago. We don't need to worry about that anymore. We do. We need to be doing the work right now. And we also need people to, white people to kind of get over their hurt feelings. And also, what are your feelings hurt for? Right. I'm not saying that you, Dan, were around in 1814. Right. <laughs> and were a part of the atrocities that happened then. I'm saying to you that you are here now in 2021. And can do the work to prevent the atrocities that we're seeing now. Because yep. we are still seeing our fellow Americans be murdered mm -hmm. by vigilantes, oh. by police, by the state, by all of it. Yeah. You don't have to feel like we're attacking you when we say these things happen in history. That's not an attack on you personally. That's a reminder that you need. So that we can do the work today. Yeah, the vigilante justice, you know, Trayvon Martin murdered mm -hmm. by a citizen, uh, Ahmaud Arbery murdered by citizens. That, that we, what? Yeah. On top of, again, you know, the, the, the violent officers, the officers who murder black Americans, like, again, not every officer, of course, but I, sure. but I don't want bad pilots flying planes. I don't want bad officers wielding guns like that. Yeah. Come on. It, it, anyway. it, by the way, not all officers. Okay. Yes. Not all officers. Then what I need you to do police officer is not be, not have your feelings hurt, mm -hmm. but go into work with an open eye yeah. and look at your coworkers and say that guy over there. I, I have noticed the way that he pulls people over. Yep. I noticed that he is more likely to pull over a person of color than a white person that's driving. Um, and I think that's something that we need to just start paying attention to. Like, I'm sorry, but you have to to a little bit. And I, I say this, but also like I don't out of context, it's not going to be correct. But like, I'm sorry about your hurt feelings. You have to get over it and let's get to work yeah. on moving forward together. Yep. Yep. So I'm... Um... Now, we're not going to end on this story. We're going to come back to another Black History Month story. I don't want to have the same issue that your mom had. If you had. bring up Conan again, my not mom Conan. is going to be so mad. Uh, not Conan, but uh, Nathan Fillion. So uh, I have a huge celebrity crush on Nathan Fillion. I think he is awesome. I love the work he does. I love so many of the shows that he's been in. Uh, right now, his show, The Rookie, is just fun TV. And also they had a really poignant couple of episodes recently where one of the other rookies was facing, he's, he's a young black man. Um, he also is gay and like the storylines with it are really powerful. And again, my feelings aren't hurt straight white American. I'm not like, Oh, why is there always gay? Why is there always black? Why is there like, it's okay to see other people's experiences in our country anyway. <laughs> and also because like 90% of television is written for you. <laughs> So I think we can start including the, the yeah. people that make up actually the majority of our nation in our storytelling. Right. I mean, that seems wild. Yeah, but that's an idea. Not just straight white guys. Um, but anyway, yeah. they, the rookie tackled this whole this whole idea. And this this rookie uh, was working with a new um, training officer who was was clearly had some major biases and was was very racist in his policing. Um, and it was just this 
really good like three episode story arc um it, it moved me it it kind of wrecked me a couple different times like emotionally it was just so good and i thought man i wish more i wish this happened more i hope it does you know the way the other officers all came together of all different races and everything there was even this real this one training officer white guy super hardcore kind of a jackass dude in his character um and he stepped up and i was like okay yes now again it's fiction it's fantastical tv but it was just really good and i thought okay this is powerful so bravo to, to the rookie uh, and their writers for that but dan don't you wish that you could just watch tv and not have to have these storylines shoved in your face no because here's i get so mad when i hear that <laughs> i get so mad when i hear oh that. i'm sure I'm sure because here's the thing I can yeah. turn it off I can change if I if that really bothered me I just I would find a different show but instead yeah but here's the thing is like you can you can turn it off you can turn off the storyline that you don't agree with right there are, are are many of our fellow humans living here in America who cannot turn this off I don't mean story storytelling wise you can turn off any television show you want to watch or don't want to watch so you know, don't at me with your, I don't like this show. I don't like that show. Just not watch it. Like you have a limited amount of time in your day and in your life. Why don't you not hate watch a TV show? That's a different episode, yeah. but you can turn this off right. for many of our, our friends, our family, many of our other people that make up our communities. They can't turn off a story like that because it's happening in their lives. Yep. And we need to tell those stories. Yep. Absolutely. Because not everybody lives in, you know, Los Angeles is, I, I, I live in, the city that I live in is a minority majority city. Not, not all of us are able to have the privilege of living in a place where so many different people and cultures and communities are a part of just how we literally walk to our cars. Yeah. So we have to be telling these stories that will reach all of us so that you can kind of start to unlock a little bit of you so you can start to do the work and read books and and hear different voices and different ways of life and everything and the fact that i get yeah. to do that as a choice is white privilege mm -hmm. like that's the definition Big of time. white privilege and again that doesn't mean that i've that i'm like it doesn't mean that i have an easy life it doesn't mean that i don't work for the things that i have it just means that i have that privilege that i don't have to deal with that side of this world but I, I get to, it sounds so dumb. It sounds so privileged to even say it this way, but like I get to be a part of it in order to help show love and, and just stand shoulder to shoulder. You know, if I can be of help, I will. I'm not going to try and take over their experience of a person of color, but that, like that's privilege. I, you know, mm -hmm. I don't have to be there. I can walk away, um, but I choose to be a part of their lives. At least I hope they will have yeah. me. Um, and I love that. Like, again, I, while I didn't grow up with the Black History Month being re like really talked about in school or anything, um, the fact that we have it because of Carter Woodson, the fa the father of Black History, I learned about him this year as well, um, and how he, you know, let's talk about Carter Woodson. He he wrote, you know, uh, wrote a ton of uh, articles and and wrote some books and stuff on on the the history of African Americans, um, and he started it started Black History Week, I think it was in February because it was the birthday of, um, of, you know, of two Americans who were really involved 
in the civil rights, you know? Um, so like, it, I just, yeah, the, the fact that Carter Woodson wanted something to give, to give back to his community and say, you know, this is what we need. Um, yeah, I just think, I think it's incredible. So I'm so grateful to him uh, for doing that. I don't know, it sounds super cheesy. It sounds so dumb to say it that way. Sorry, listeners. Um, I'm a, I'm a dumb dumb. Strong agree. He but he's so many books, so many books. The education of the Negro prior to 1861: A History of the Education of the Colored People in the U.S. from Beginning of Slavery to the Civil War. Like you want to know how how we educated our 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 Black Americans? The history of the Negro Church. It's just you know African myths together with proverbs. A supplementary reader supplementary reader uh composed of folk tales from various parts of africa oh man just so just yeah he was he was very much interested in in giving us all of that and what i was saying earlier about it being it it was mr woodson chose february because frederick Douglass and abraham lincoln were both born in february uh and so it became that week was they call it at the time Negro History Week, um, and then uh, President Carter eventually is the one who made it Black History Month. Um, but all because Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln had birthdays in February, that's why it started there. Um, I wish it was a longer month. <laughs> can, we, can we add? Can we start maybe in January and go through February? Like, let's start with the birth of Martin Luther King Jr. and go through February with Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln. But anyway, I mean, I th- I think it's important to have the month. And uh, you can't help what month you're born in. So that's fair. You know, unfortunately, the the shortest month is Black History Month. I don't really understand why some months are 30 days, some are 31, some are 28. I don't get it. I I, I don't get it. But how about instead of does it have to be the shortest month? Does it have to just be a month? There you go. Do you have to limit your personal journey to just 28 days? No, no, you know, or 29 and leap years uh i don't get it yeah they should all just be 29 days or something anyway um so that was that was i hope that was better uh bora leave us a review and tell us if that was better um mom (laughs) hey again we have one listener and they're giving us feedback so that's great we have a couple listeners let's not forget about debbie slayman or dan sally Yeah, yeah yeah we can't forget about those folks and conan they're just as important to us because we know conan listens and conan that's for you, Bora. Uh, so that's Black History Month revisited. Thank you, Kim, for uh, helping me understand a little bit of your side of it. I hope that was good on, on, on both of our sides for our listeners. I hope so too. And if you want, listen, we're not going to get it perfect. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> like, like, that's fair. Yes, a po- this podcast is is what it is. There you go. Um, but even in moments like this, it's important to say, you know what, we could have done better with this. Yep. And it, in the moment, might not feel great to hear this wasn't your best effort, this wasn't your best work, but those moments are important because you can take them and grow. And this one podcast incident, incidents, incident, this one <laughs> podcast incident is not, you can look at this as like a, a moment in time. You could take this lesson into the rest of your life, you know All what right. I mean? That's fair you're gonna have your feelings hurt for like three seconds when somebody tells you you could have done better yeah and then you can do better and that's life baby that's growth that's growth yeah uh, that's growth baby 
And if you have that feedback for us, send us an email, myamericapod at gmail.com. Heads up on social media, myamericapod on Twitter and on Instagram both. Uh, and we have some content there. You can comment, like it, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and if you loved what we're doing, leave us a review. That'd be great. If you don't love what we're doing, send us a message and tell us. If you love us, do it publicly. If you have a problem, do it privately. I like that. That's good. Uh, yeah. And I'm life is short. Don't hate watch anything <laughs> or listen. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm on the socials uh, at Dan Moyle, D A N M O Y L E, Twitter and Instagram. Cool. I'm on the socials at Kim Moffat, M O F F A T, Twitter, Instagram, dot com. Locked it down. Dan didn't. Got a brag. Oh, we're gonna get into that again. We're not doing that. Yeah. That's the episode, folks. Thanks for listening. Leave us a review. We appreciate you. Gross. <laughs>